Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday Flyers Daily. A lot to get into in this episode, and we're going to go rapid fire with the man from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com. Saw him at the barn this weekend. It was great to see him in person and not just virtually. It is Bill Melcher. Billy, how are you? Um, I'm doing great. Uh, busy weekend for, for both of us. So, uh, you know, and then, and yet to come. So let's roll. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Bill, you know, the season's underway. And I feel like we, you and I did maybe one of those torts bag skates, but he started it off without a puck on the ice. Not surprising to many people, including Artem Isimov, who I talked to last night at the game and asked him if that was the case when he was with the Rangers. He said it wasn't only the case with the Rangers, but he hasn't changed a, a, one element of that first skate with the team. Right. right. Yeah. Um, he, he's done it uh, everywhere he's been. Did it in, in Columbus as well. Um, probably his, you know, it just, it, it's, it's part of a Tortorella camp guys who've guys who've been assistant coaches under him. Um, you have know, adopted elements of it, maybe not exactly, but elements of it. And, you know, and, um, guys who, who've played for him, like, uh, Martin Saint Louis brought elements of it now to, uh, to Montreal. So all the way back to Oh one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's wild. The, 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 it's just something he's always done, something he strongly believes in. And um, he talked a little bit about it um, on on Sunday, and he said, "Listen, you know, there's not many things in hockey you can control, but one thing you can control is conditioning." And he said, "You know, why can't we be the best conditioned team in the league?" And then saying, "You know, you, you put the work in now, and all of a sudden you find that you, as long as you're persistent with it, you know, it comes around. It's game 41, 61, whatever, whatever the case might be." Third period comes around, the other team is tiring. You're still fresh compared to them. And then you understand why you were skating like that back in September. Yeah. And wow. I mean, I, I'm such a firm believer in controlling the controllable in a game with so many variables. And, you know, it's it's not just about the physical, though. It's about the mental part of it, too. For Torres, and I know he's talked about that element as well. You know, putting guys to the test early. To show you, like, I mean, this is the hardest league, the best league in the world. You're going to be put to the test by opponents every night. So let's start that. Let's just build up those calluses now. Yep, that, that's exactly right. Um, you know, and and look at if you look at the first four days of camp, and it's the most grueling first four days. I, I've seen a lot of coaches come through here, and and uh, not not to say that other coaches didn't have hard practices to start with. That's the norm, but you know, the, there was the infamous day one, which is the skating test. It's uh, a half-hour skating test. starts with laps uh, with, a, with a rope uh, in the middle so nobody cheats and cuts in front of the goal. And um, you do that for 15-plus minutes, take a take a very short break, and then they're doing suicides, goal line to goal line. Oh. Uh, and that's, that's another 15 minutes. And, and guys that are really well-conditioned athletes, even, even the – best condition guys on the team by the end of the half hour spent you know that, that's just that's a you, you can train for it all you want it's, it's a it's a whole other thing to do it and so that, that's day one day two at um, 9 a.m the first of the uh, first of two scrimmages after the scrimmage there's a uh, uh, one group works out off ice the other group is on the ice from the scrimmage um, at the end of that, they do another conditioning skate, so more laps around the rink. 
Um, and what they were doing, they were doing two on two rushes. So you're skating once again the whole time. Ooh. Day three, um, the the game group has a has a morning skate, and of course, then obviously a game at night. The other group has a full practice once again with the conditioning skate at the end. Day four, um, you're back to dual scrimmages. Nine a.m. The first group is out, and of of the of the nine a.m. group, about half the players had played the night before. Yeah, and um, so you have the the. You have another scrimmage, once again, another another practice with the off-ice practice, and once again with the laps at the end. And then the second group you know, has a scrimmage, practice, laps. Um, finally, a day off Monday. For, <laughs> as we're, and uh, then Tuesday, Wednesday are games again. So yeah. it, it, it's a relentless pace. If you're, if you're not prepared for it, it's going to show. I mean, one thing Tortorell said is – Usually at the beginning of camp, everybody's pretty well prepared for it. By day four, then you start seeing who really put in work, and that's when that's when some uh, discrepancies show up in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of stamina and, and some other things, some of the intangibles. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, that's because the adrenaline's off at that point. They're yeah. so excited to get there and, and everything, and the adrenaline wears off, and you get your baseline, and then you can start to see that separation. Um, Bill, we're going to talk about the game in just a minute, but I just wanted to get to, before we get to that, uh, the Renault Lavoie report uh, from Tevia in uh, Montreal. Uh, Renault Lavoie tweeted the following. He said, I'm hearing some positives on Sean Couturier's injury. He could be back in the next three to four weeks if everything is going according to plan. Back injuries are tricky, so let's hope he won't be out for long. Um, Renault Lavoie, obviously a very plugged-in reporter, and uh, this certainly... A, a, a breath of fresh air on a day when three other guys just went on to the day-to-day list in Carter Hart, Anisimov, and um, Cam Atkinson. So maybe good news on the Sean Couturier front. Yeah, they, it, uh, it's hopefully so. That, that uh, definitely sounds promising. Um, you know, there, there's some indication that uh, what had been reported um, was not nearly as bad as his actual status. So, We'll see. Uh, back injuries, as you said, they're they're tricky. You don't, uh, you know, no one was expecting to be in the situation right now, and and things can change in a hurry. So uh, that that's at least that's at least a hopeful sign, if true. Um, in terms of the the three guys of their day to day, with Atkinson, he didn't he was held out of the scrimmage, but he did do the practice at the end. So that that's a hopeful sign. Um, Right, right on through, and uh, I mean, I, I would assume that it happened in one of the scrimmages on on uh, Friday. He did, he did participate in practice on Saturday. But he hasn't been in a game yet if, with an upper body kind of thing. You would, you would think, and most likely that that would have been the case, being a little banged up in that. But the fact that he was a full participant in the practice afterwards seems promising. Uh, with Carter Hart, um, it, it's one of those things where. You know he does have some injury history. He uh, he was involved in a collision at the net um, during the practice on uh, on Saturday, um, and of course they had the they had the practice going on in one rink and the game group playing on the other side. So it happened towards the end. Um, from the indications that are out there that it that it's nothing nothing serious. He really really is a day to day kind of thing. Where by the end of the week he may be out there again. Just uh, just precaution because he is a guy who has missed some time with injuries in his career. Um, then with Anisimov, he blocked a shot um, during Saturday's game in the first period, and he actually hobbled off the ice 
but he did come back and he did finish the game and and whatnot. So he seemed he seemed okay. Um, at least he, at least he played the rest of the game more than you know most of the game because the the situation the swelling been, after. Yeah, probably, probably something like good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hope hopefully that's all that it is, and uh, you know we'll 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 see with all three as we get into the to the week here. But the day to day does seem to be kind of, you know, uh, uh, at least consistent with, you know, w- with what it sounds like it may be. So, you know, hoping for the best. The Flyers certainly certainly can use some good news. These are players. If you if you as we talked about, who could they least afford to be without? We start with Couturier and Hart. Yeah, right? Cam Atkinson certainly another one you can't be without. And although, Kevin you know, yeah, although yeah. Nikolov is here in a tryout. You know, you're, they're thin at center. So, yeah, uh, hope, yeah hope, hopefully some good news in the days to come here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, speaking of center, you know, one of the things that we're going to be looking at, one of the spotlight players here in training camp is a guy who, you know, played his game really improved last year, 200-foot game, and that's Morgan Frost. Um, Bill, we were watching him in that game against the Bruins, the first preseason game, killing penalties, putting put in a lot of different situations. Carried a lot of ice time because the bench was uneven, especially in that first period when they had to kill off four. Um, but he flashed. He looked good. And I thought he looked – I didn't I didn't think his game had highs and lows. I thought his game was high pretty much throughout with a consistent level. Oh, for, Other for than sure. the icing. Yeah. <laughs> with the empty net. Yeah, which, which he made up for with a, with a yes. block shot. So he did, he did atone himself for that. Um, there was another play where I thought he was tripped. It was a turnover up the middle. Um, I thought he was tripped on the play. I, I think that Morgan was looking for a call. You got to get, you got to pop right back up on that. So don't, don't worry about, don't worry about the arm goes up or not. If it doesn't, just, just keep play going. I think, yeah, but play right through it. So that, that's something, that's something I think that, uh, you know, the next time around, you know, hopefully wouldn't happen. And then there was, uh, you know, one puck he didn't get out that he probably could have. But I, you're, you know, you're, you're picking this shift and that shift of this play or that play, nothing, nothing to prove costly. And on the whole, as you said, I mean, you know, he, he had a solid game, um, play with pace, kept his feet moving, all, all things you want him to do. He's, you can see the muscle he's at. He's much stronger on the walls than he was two seasons ago. Big time. Um, and even a little, a little bit last year. I mean, Frost is in the mid one nineties now at, at, uh, you know, on a five foot 11 frame. So he's a five foot 11, six feet, whatever, whatever. But um, so he's he's much bigger and stronger than he was even a couple of years ago. It, it makes a difference for him. He he fares better in a lot of these 50-50 battles. Um, the pass that he made to to Noah Cates mm. behind the back pass was just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was it was hilarious hearing Wade Allison talking after the game about uh, about Frost's passing ability. Really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have any kind of an audio clip of that, but he was just saying that you know it, it confuse the things he does with the puck confuses confuse me sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Creative player. That's why he needs yeah. to play with skilled players. Exactly, exactly right. And I, you know that's something that uh, for him to succeed, I think I think he needs to do that. Um, yeah. He was with Tippett in, in a lot last year, and um, you know they were they were together for the first preseason game. Um, I, I thought it was impressive that that. Frost won sixty percent of his faceoffs. Yeah, I did he's, too. He took a lot of draws. He dominated. He dominated the strong side draws. Um, can still get better in the right circle, but uh, but from the left circle, he, he 
he was pretty dominant, pretty pretty much owned the circle. So that's also a good sign. So plenty of things there. Twenty minutes of ice time, uh, three and a half minutes of PK in a game where they they went six for six. So for for a start to the you know for a start to the uh, preseason, really good start. And then followed up. He's out there nine a.m. in the scrims the next day, and they had him out there with uh, JVR and with Konechny. And that line took over the scrimmage in the second game. Yeah. And yes, it's a scrimmage, but th- these were things that in camp last year, Morgan was so worried about not being a defensive liability in camp that, that he wasn't he wasn't doing much of anything offensively. Now he started he started this camp, and again, two scrimmages in one game, but it's uh, it's five points in, yeah. in the scrimmage in two games. So you know, really strong start, and just keep it up and keep rolling. Yeah, I had a chance to, you know, I, I talked to him in between the first and second period before he scored the goal last night and was doing all that PK duty. And then I talked to him a little bit just uh, outside the locker room after the game. And I just see a guy that's much more confident in the way he's carrying himself on and off the ice. He just feels like he belongs now and he's got a lot of opportunity in front of him. Um, you know, talking to Ian LaPerriere before the game last night, Bill, and he coached the game and will coach uh, tomorrow night's game, uh, the second preseason game as well. And, you know, one of the questions we asked him about conditioning, you know, we talked about that with Torts in the beginning, and those two must love each other because Lappy is a huge guy about conditioning because you can control it. And he said, he mentioned a couple of guys in particular um, that came in. Every said everybody came in in good shape, but a couple guys really are uh, at, at an unbelievable level, and that's Noah and Jackson Cates. Yeah. And they put in the work this summer. And this is, you know, Jackson Cates made his debut – I guess a couple of years ago and at this point, Noah last year in nine points in 15 games and knows what it takes to succeed at the NHL level. And the brothers last night, it was the, it was the Kate show in preseason game. Number one, they had the, the two goal scorers. And again, you know, they were impressive in that game. Noah was impressive last year. And this is a big year for those two. Yeah. Um, every day so far, I, I'll say this about Noah Cates and I don't like talking and, Absolutes, but to me, Noah Cates is an NHL player. He's an NHL player now. He looked like an NHL player during his brief time with the team last year. He, he looks ready to be a full-time NHL player, and um, I'm not at all surprised at how he's looked in camp. Um, he just because he was just because of the way he hit the ground running, you know, jumping into the NHL last year. I, I am surprised by how good Jackson has looked. Yeah. Um, Jackson, you know, he had some NHL games. Um, last year and the year before, but he really he really wasn't a factor in in any of them, and and was kind of a little overmatched at times. It felt like even yeah, very with, raw looking, yeah, quite quite yeah, exactly, exactly, which is a good word for it. Um, in the AHL, it's funny, you know, he he only, I mean, he he looked he looked overmatched in the American League at times last year too. Like, eh, you know, I, I I I don't I don't know what you have in him, you know, and. Um, but so far, every day in camp, he's looked really good. He's, he's looked like the guy he did in Minnesota Duluth. Um, obviously, having his brother there, his younger brother, but his brother, um, you know, it, it, I think it's helped both of them. They, they're really getting a kick out of being there. They're pushing each other in a positive way. Um, they're obviously a sounding board for one another. And, and it's only a few days in the camp, but I think if it continues in this direction, A, that uh, Jackson will be involved in the battle for – you know, one of the couple of main remaining spots. And if he doesn't get it, he's he's in the mix for a call-up. And I thought going into camp, 
no chance even really a, as, a, as a bubble guy for the roster and had work to do to, to get into the call-up mix. So, yeah, he's put in great work so far. And, you know, from the rookie game to the, the first exhibition to the uh, scrimmages so far, he, he looks way, way better. So that, that, that's a nice sign. Yeah, and, you know, those two pushing each other in their training this summer – I think is it's a big thing. One of the other guys Lappy mentioned that came in just fit as a fiddle, uh, Wade Allison. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we saw the behind the boards with him and what was he back in Manitoba and he put in a ton of work this summer and really pushed his body to you know, the more muscle you put on and more, you know, core strength, that can save you for some from some injuries, frankly. And he put in a lot of work this year and he's got a big opportunity in front of him as well. Jumped in and I, I still say that, you know, the, the management team was probably like, I wish Sealer would have got there first yeah. in that situation when Roussel got hit, but he jumped in there and it was more of a wrestling match. But the other guy I want to ask you about, because there were two flyers in the game that had five shots on goal in the Boston game. Um, one of them was directly involved in that first goal to Noah Cates on the power play. And that's Tyson Forster. And we know he's not afraid to shoot it. Do you know who the other one was? Uh, I think Adderd finished with. It was Ronnie Adderd. Yeah. Two guys with a big shot and uh, uh I thought both played pretty well in the game I, I thought they did too um Adderd had we'll talk about Ronnie just real fast uh he had the one delay of game penalty that was he was under no pressure same mm -hmm. thing happened in the rookie game that's obviously something you, you want to avoid going forward you don't want to you know you want to just uh give away penalties you don't need to take um but I, I one thing I've noticed both last season and uh, so far in camp is that what, even if he starts out a little bit uneven, he settles in and gets better and better as the game goes along. Um, as, as you mentioned, as the, the cannon of a shot also has a physical side to his game. Um, he is big man, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I big, big and strong. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of his decision-making, he's a risk taker and he's still learning sometimes when to be aggressive and, and when to play back a little bit. And, you know, that's going to be a work in progress for a little bit here. Um, Ronnie's still battling a numbers game here when you're figuring that D'Angelo and uh, Ristolainen and Braun are your right side defensemen in the top three pairs, and he needs to be playing. But A, if he plays really well at some point, then we could pressure a guy like Braun for, yeah. for games. Um, if there's an injury, he could step in and and uh, you, know, you see it all the time. Guy goes down for three weeks. A guy comes up and he doesn't go back down again. Yeah. And and the thing the thing the thing with Ronnie Adder is you never have to worry about his attitude. He's such such a positive minded, confident player that um, even if he goes down to start the season, I, I you know everybody's a little bit of disappointment. But I don't think I don't think he's going to let it affect how he plays. So I you know he's he's still he's still a player definitely worth watching as you're going along. Um. So that uh, speaks a little bit of depth on the blue line. Zamula's had a tremendous camp so far, too. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Cam York has the inside track here, no question. But Cam has a little competition. So, you that's know, it, yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. I mean, yep. if, if a play, it, it pushes him to elevate his game, and then that's definitely a good thing. Um, yeah. So, and, and for Tyson Forster, um, you know, if you remember last year preseason, um, AV gave him some NHL games, including some PP1 time and uh, some time in the top six. And 
Uh, I thought Tyson looked a little overmatched and nervous in those games. Different player. Different player last night. Uh, Different player even going back to the rookie games. Um, As you said, five shots on goal. Um, And the most impressive one actually came in the third period. He almost created – almost a self-created goal. How the heck did he get that off with that velocity? He was in an awkward position. That that was crazy. That was crazy because, as you said, it was just – yeah, and they, I mean, it was just it was on the net in the flash, going yeah. going to the save, but that was uh, that was one heck of a play. That was something that just uh, stood out among the game highlights, even though it didn't it's a go one on two. Bill shake and bake and release. Yeah. I mean, oof. yeah, that that was that was pretty crazy, and that that speaks to why he was a why he was a first round pick. Um, once again, numbers game, and he's the guy who needs to play on a scoring line to be to be successful but doesn't look far away at all. Um, you know, the Flyers, the Flyers farm system, um, you and I have both said this, you know, maybe there isn't a superstar in there, but they've had a ton of depth. And they've also had a, just an unbelievable amount of injuries, including including DeForster. Yeah. Um, now, now these players are getting healthy. And uh, you can see some of the things that they can do. So there, there is depth in the system. Again, you might have, might have the superstar talent. But there, these some of these kids can really play, and, and they're they're putting pressure, you know, on, on guys to uh, to battle them for spots. So that's uh, all things you want to see. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's one thing Ian LaPerrier said about Ronnie Adder too. He's, he's one of those guys, just an infectious personality. Comes to the rink with a huge smile. Is a fun guy. Is an amazing positive force on the bench. You know, cheering on his teammates, and you know, really being a a, a guy that is talking about what we can do, what, we can do this, you know, really engaged and, you know, coaches love guys like that. It's almost like having an extra coach on your bench, but with the respect of being a, a fellow player to another player, that's even more impactful sometimes. Uh, those two guys certainly look good in the game. Um, you know, we're going to get another game coming up tomorrow night. We may see a different lineup, but when we start to see some guys get sent down, we got 71 guys here and that's a heck of a lot to keep, yeah. keep track of. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, that's why they've been rolling four groups. Um, I, I think I think very soon some of the guys who are not going to get pro contracts, you know, th- those guys who go back to whatever team they, they were on, whether it's a whether it's an overage season in junior hockey or you know some um, uh, some recent draft picks like like an Alexi Gendron. Um, I had a couple moments here and there, but he's. You know, he's not playing up here. So, Alexi will go back to his junior team. Um, as soon as J.R. Avon, who unfortunately hasn't been able to see the ice and rookie camp or, or uh, the NHL camp so far, as soon as he's cleared and good to go, he'll go down. So, you know, the numbers will start to thin out a little bit. Um, as the numbers thin out a little, they'll start in- introducing systems into a little bit more. Obviously, skating will remain a piece of it. But I, I think, you know, now I think that once you're getting through these couple of games, then, then you get into more of the uh, the X's and O kind of things, yeah. and uh, you know, and then the then the cuts after every few games, you know, every few days they'll they'll start paring down. But uh, you know, 70, 70 players is a lot of players in camp, and cool. it's it is certainly hard to to keep track of, of all of them. And some of the kids that are in camp, I mean, they want to stand out and make an impression, which is a good thing. But there, there's only so much ice to go around, and it, it's hard for some of these players to even you know, get truly a fair look, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just so many bodies, and eventually we'll get it pared down more and more as we go. John Tortorella not coaching 
game one, game two, game three, or game four. Ian LaPerio will handle the duties again tomorrow night. Then Tortorella's staff will handle games three and four, and then Torts will handle the final two, kind of uh, looking from above and seeing what he's got in guys, and um, we'll see how that goes. You know, the funny thing is we interviewed Jackson Cates after the game uh, against Boston where he had the game winner, and <laughs> before the game, talking to Ian LaPerio, they haven't talked about systems or structure or anything at all. He talked a little bit about structures so they knew what they were doing. But Jackson, he was kind of like intimidated to be being interviewed in that spot. You know, you see some guys, they come in right away like TK and he's like butter right away dealing with the media as a rookie. Some guys are a little bit more tense in that situation. And he said, you know, we relied on our system. We really worked our system well. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> you haven't done a lick of system work yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing is, is in, in talking to Lappy, because he was saying that you know, the conversation that he, Tortorella doesn't need him to run the same system that he runs. Do your thing is basically what Tort said to him. Uh, their belief structures are very similar in the way they approach the D zone, the neutral zone, and the offensive zone. But one thing that Torts is really preaching, not a lot of D to D regroups. D, you get that puck right back on them, attack right away, stress your opponent. And when you do that, you can really suffocate them. So, you know, one of the things with Zamula, they want him to do that a little faster, not a, lot, a little less D to D. Let's make that pass get back up the ice and get going set north south again. Yeah. I, and, and I thought this was really interesting when uh, when we talked to Tony D'Angelo the other day. He said, uh, you know, habitually, first thing I do is I look to my D partner. Um, so to be ready, uh, you know, well, the Flyers are going to preach go north. And I, I could see that being, uh, being a little bit of push pull. Now, if, now, if D'Angelo does the things that the Torts wants him to do, that that could be an area they could compromise on a little bit. But you know, there may be some discussions about that, and uh, that, that's all healthy and that's all normal. But yeah. that's uh, that, that's part of the dynamic there, and that, that is something to watch. You know, where uh, where Tony's going going with the puck when he has it. And you have a puck mover on every pair. I mean, you yeah. have a D'Angelo, even though it, there was a lot of DDD passing when he was with Slavin down in in Carolina. Uh, but he's a guy that can make that pass. Obviously, Travis Sanheim is a guy that can make that pass and join the rush. And Cam York is really smooth and, and great vision in that situation as well. So th that'll make them look like a team that it plays fast. Yeah. Getting right back on your opposition. Yeah. And then last year, as, as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as Ryan Ellis went down, that, that was one of the two ways where they really missed Ellis. Um, and he's one of the best at moving the puck from up, up to his forwards. I know Flyers fans really probably got to see the guy. Um, but that, that was an area they were going to count heavily on him with. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, who, who knows when, right? If if or when. Um, yeah. You know, that which is unfortunate. But to, to have a guy on each each pairing that can move the puck up ice, it's huge. You, you have possession. You, you can attack with some speed. You're defending less. All, all those things work hand in hand. I mean, you're talking about a flyer team that just defended way, way, way too much, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know we get hem hemmed in a lot. So that's uh, you know that would be a big jump if they can take it this year. But at least there are players with the upside to be able to do that. Uh, whereas whereas a year ago that really necessarily wasn't necessarily the case. So. That's uh, you know we'll, we'll see as that we'll see as that goes along as as I said there haven't been really any systems work yet but that's something to to watch for as you go into the season how they break out and uh, navigate the neutral zone and, and get some attack and some forecheck going because 
that's uh, that's what you have to do to be successful. One of the misnomers, Bill, uh, about John Tortorella is it's all black blocking shots and and playing defense, and it's not. Um, in a lot of ways, his forecheck is pretty similar to Elaine Vino's, very aggressive. Now the Flyers couldn't execute that because they didn't have the horses once they had all the injuries and after that, you know, nineteen twenty season, they just didn't have the right personnel to do it. Like Nicholas Albe Kubel in that nineteen twenty was great because he was a straight line forechecker, would get in, F one crash and start it all off. And when you don't have the horses for it, there's a lot of risk that's incurred on it. But the thing about Torts is he is a very offensive aggressive offensive four check system guy yeah uh, i mean it'll be it'll be two men up ice um last year the flyers were trying to do that but so often it was one pass and out and they weren't set up now all of a sudden you know the other team is attacking with speed and, and you're in trouble um yeah, and it was, it was just it was just so easy to beat the flyers four check last year and uh you know and and then you know hopefully you can you can move the puck in a way where if you need to regroup in the neutral zone, you, you know, you have the numbers there, the, whether it's a, you know, get, get back and, uh, you know, have put some pressure on the puck, um, you know, on the wings. I mean, as teams were, it, again, it was one pass it out, but teams were attacking with speed up the wings all, yeah. all the time. Um, and if you're so. constantly trailing the play, I mean, that that's really difficult to get in your D zone structure. If you're trailing the play and there was so much off the rush last year, and then the and if they didn't score off the rush or get a good opportunity, it was then hemming them in and then working their forecheck, and um, that that was part of the problem. That I mean, it was a huge part of the problem last year. I mean, I'm not a guy that usually goes, "Hey, you should change your system," because a coach's system is a coach's religion. It's not yeah. just as simple as saying do it different. Um, it's what they believe in. It's the way they believe the game should be played. And it's easier said to just do something different. But we were at the point last year where I was going, they got to do something different because this isn't working. Yeah. You know, it's it's really painful to watch. But um, last thing for you, you mentioned it, Ryan Ellis. Uh, we got the injury news from Chuck Fletcher the other day. I'm not even sure. I didn't even know this muscle existed. They found a, a muscle I didn't even wasn't even aware of that a lot of this is stemming from or a byproduct of or, you know, a result of. I don't know. Uh, but it certainly sounds to me, Bill, that his career is in very serious jeopardy. It, it's yeah, because it had so many other things associated with it. I never heard of, a, of the psoas muscle until uh, Sam Moran had the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was during the 2017, 18 season. Um, people, people remember the ACL tears, but I think they forget that Sam missed almost that entire regular season. He kept getting shut down and shut down and shut down. He'd be better. He get you know, it would recur. You get shut down another six weeks, et cetera. That was a psoas muscle issue. And uh, so it's something that, that starts in the back and it wraps around and it runs down the, the pelvic area, the groin. Um, and, you know, cause a lot of discomfort in that area. And, uh, you know, for, you can have all kinds of other associated things, as is the case, you know, as is the case with uh, Ryan Ellis, where you know, it's not just that, it's also his hips are bothering him. And uh, makes the diagnosis know, hard, I would imagine, too, doesn't it? Oh, it, it does, because you don't know you know what the root cause is. You don't yeah. know specifically what it is. And unfortunately, the, this is something where even if you do the very delicate surgery that's associated with it, well, that's that's not going to help the hip issues. And, and you're still susceptible to things like you know, lower abdominal tears and all, and all kinds of stuff. 
and and he has all of it. He has all of the above, and that's that's yeah. where that's why this has been so hard to proceed with it. And what's what's pretty frightening about it is it's been going on for a year, and he hasn't really made any progress. And that's that's uh, that really worries me for you know for his career. Yeah, if anything, it's maybe been a regression instead yeah. of a progression in this whole scenario. So, Bill, if he can't play again. The options are for five more years to LTIR him every year. There's with that, it's a little difficult because you can only go over 10% over the cap. And as the cap rises, his salary will fall into that. But you like to use that as your, your buffer without having to do that with, with the contract of Ryan else for five seasons, or he could retire. And if he retires, flyers are basically off the hook because the recapture goes right to the national predators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what they'll end up looking like. Um, unfortunately, the Flyers have uh, more than their fair share of history with stuff like this. Uh, Chris Pronger, for one. Um, Mike Rathje, for another. Mike Rathje yeah. spent, uh, was it four years? Four years, I think, mm-hmm. uh, on, on long term. So, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but it's, uh, I mean, it's far from an ideal situation. Um you know, uh, you, you feel for the player, but you also you also realize it's hamstringing the team too. So it's uh, you know there, there, there's there's no there's no positive way to spin it. It's just uh, just a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, everybody says when they traded for him, he was damaged goods, but he never had a core injury. I, I found it weird though, if you recall, Bill, kind of thinking about him in his introductory press conference. He was asked, I think it was about his shoulder, why he missed time the year prior, and he said it wasn't my shoulder. Like, I think that was the assumption, and I think we chalked it up at that time to, you know, Nashville doesn't have a huge media presence or not a probing one because it's kind of a non-traditional market. But there was some ambiguity about the shoulder. I think he said it was his wrist at the time. The wrist or a finger. I think it was a finger that needed surgery. Yeah. Broke a finger. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's that's all – very strange. I mean, I don't know what may have been pre-existing, but as you said, prior to coming to the Flyers, he he missed time with many different things: knees, yep. concussions, the the hand injury, um, all, all of which cost him significant amounts of time during various seasons. Um, but never a core muscle issue, and that that does doesn't mean it wasn't already bothering him to a degree and got worse. I it, it's very hard to pinpoint when all that started. But the bottom the bottom line is that uh, whatever was worsened in Philadelphia and it hasn't gotten better and that's just uh, is I and, and in terms of the timing of all of it I don't I don't really know um, you know maybe at some point Ryan will speak to it if he ever had anything bothering him before that that worsened I I don't know but I you know all all I know is the practical part of it yeah and and David Poyle is not a guy that's going to do something you know, trade knowing something's there. And that's a good way to not do any business in the NHL going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember the reason why the Flyers started, uh, and, and every team does it now. It's pretty standard where you insist on a uh, physical before you complete a trade. Um, if you remember when the Flyers traded Simone Gagne to Tampa Bay and the, uh, you know, and that's the one of the bad things about when a player will only go to one team and you, you know, and you, you're stuck with whatever you can get in return. But but the whole point of that is they got a defenseman back uh, named Matt Walker, the mm-hmm. third pairing guy anyway. But Walker was not healthy. 
and um, Steve Steve Eiserman was the GM of Tampa Bay at the time, and the 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 Flyers were told he's healthy. So the trade went through, and he comes to Philadelphia. And lo and behold, he's not healthy. He's already he's already injured when he got here. Didn't pass the physical, right? Yeah, but um, wow. so he uh, and he barely played. He barely played, and um, you know played part of one year and a, a game or two the next year. And lo and behold, that's another guy who ends up on long term injuries or never playing again. So they really got they really got nothing for Gagne. But the whole point is that after that, they said, "Well, we're not going to take other GM's words for it anymore." And um, no matter what the relationship is, if we're making a trade, the guy's gonna have to go physical, which the whole NHL does now. Yeah, but um, but that that was really that was really the turning point was 12 years ago, and it's it's just standard practice that you insist on a physical, you know, before you complete a trade. Yeah, Burmy once shame on you, Burmy twice shame on me. Not gonna happen. So, uh, and Nolan Patrick, oddly enough, not gonna play this entire year for the Las Vegas Golden Knights yeah. either. So, very strange uh, situation. Bill, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll be back at it for Tuesday night. Flyers will be preseason game number two, Tuesday and Wednesday, as a matter of fact. And we'll have another brand new Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow. Check out Bill's work, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. You can get full coverage from camp and much more there as well. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Tuesday edition. And our guest will be Flyers goaltender, 17 shots, 17 saves. Felix Sandstrom on tomorrow's episode. So have a great Monday, everybody. And we'll talk to you on a brand new Flyers Daily. Wow.